chapter uh, 13. Now, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 13, we are in the middle of a teaching. You might remember what we are seeing in Matthew chapter 13 is we're told that Jesus has great crowds gathering around him. And the way that he is teaching the crowds is that he gives them parables. He always teaches the crowds with parables. And we kind of questioned last week, who, who would do such a thing? Why would you tell complex parables that often are not given answers and just simply walk away? This is one of those occasions where he tells a story about a sower who throws seed indiscriminately. It lands on all different kinds of ground and it has all kinds of different outcomes and then he concludes by saying, so whoever wants to understand that, let them understand that. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. If you, you want to dig in and grasp that, then you need to dig in and grasp that. And the disciples, after he says that, they come to him and say, well, why are you teaching in parables? Why are you doing something like that? Why not make things simpler? Why not water it down and be basic? Why do you tell parables every time? And his answer was simple, as he told them that essentially the crowds have dull hearing, their eyes are shut, their ears are closed, their hearts are closed, that they think they see, but they don't see, they think they hear, but they don't really hear, they think they understand, but they don't really understand, because if they understood, they would come to me and I would heal them. And the whole point of the parable then is to try to determine who wants to seek who wants to learn more? Who wants to dig deeper? Who wants to grasp? Who wants to come to Jesus and get the answers as you see disciples of Jesus doing regularly? Now, that answer is really important to this explanation of the parable that is given in verses 18 through 23. It can be a temptation as a teacher to want to read the first nine verses skip over why Jesus is t telling parables, jump to verse 18 where the answer is. But Jesus' explanation of why he's doing this colors heavily this explanation about this parable of the sower that he tells. I want you to notice his response now in verse 18 of Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. He gives a first answer about, now I told you this story, and in one of the aspects, the seed is cast and it hits hard ground where people have walked a path. Uh, a way like that. And he says what that represents are people who hear the word of God and do not understand. Now, it's important to know that what Jesus means by saying they hear this and don't understand is not talking about a concept of ignorance. That it's not saying, you know, they read it and they just go, well, I just can't understand these things. It's just too hard. And so I don't understand Jesus has clarified what he means by this explanation of why he teaches parables that he does. That the lacking of understanding means when they hear the word, they're just dismissive. 
They're not interested in trying to understand what Jesus is saying. They hear the word and don't understand. Not because there's a mental problem or intellectual problem or ignorance problem, but there's a desire problem. Jesus will speak the words and there are going to be many who just simply go, I'm just not really interested. I don't want to know what that means. And you see that happen a lot when Jesus tells parables or or tells stories is that Jesus will say things and people will not ask for clarification. They will just walk away. Perhaps one of the most notable of that is recorded in the Gospel of John when Jesus just simply says, uh, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And it says there are a lot of people just left. They just went, well, that's that's complex and hard. I don't I don't get that. And that's what Jesus is talking about, not understanding These are ones who don't come up to him and go, I need to know what that meant. What were you trying to say? What was that all about? That was confusing. In fact, that's what's happening here is the disciples are now going to understand what did Jesus mean by telling this story? And as Jesus said there back in verses 10 through verse 17, he's dealing with a lot of people who think they understand. They think they get it. They think they know the kingdom and they know the gospel and they know what God's all about. And so Jesus is talking and they just dismiss it outright. They're not interested in trying to grab onto the complexities and understand the message. They hear the message and essentially what happens is the word just bounces right back off. And I think this is an important aspect to think about for a minute. Because I want you to notice that Jesus describes this situation as that there is something happening spiritually. Notice in verse 19 that Jesus does not merely say that anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it. But notice it says the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. There is a picture here of Jesus saying that the the seed is sown, the word of God is proclaimed, it's placed on the heart of individuals. But the individual does not allow for the word to sink in, to grab, to take root and grow. And what that is, is ultimately then the evil one coming and swooping the seed up, making it so that it never grabs, it never catches It never has the opportunity to sink down deep into the heart and grow. And I hope that we would consider that visual for a minute. That if the word of God is just simply bouncing off of us, that it it never resonates. It just is words, you know, we're just kind of zoned out. And it's just bouncing away. That that's a spiritual effect that is going on. That Satan is pictured as one who is actively trying to keep the word from sinking down deep into you. He's trying to keep that, trying to keep that from happening. He's actively working against you. And that happens in an awful lot of ways. You're tired, distracted. You know, the, how many times have we talked about you read something and you have read it five times and you still never went anywhere kind of thing. That happens in all kinds of ways. Where the word is just settling there, but it's not going anywhere. It's not going into heart. It's not going into mind. And Jesus says, there is a picture of that that is going on. Now, this, I think, sets up something very interesting for what Jesus is doing with this parable that he's intending for the crowds to do that he wants us to do as well. Here's going to be our challenge today. 
What Jesus is trying to do is to challenge us to make honest spiritual evaluations about ourselves. It's easy to read the parable of the sower, read three soils, go, yeah, it's all them out there. We're the good soil. High five. We'll all go home. It's been, you know, yay, yay us. And remember, he's talking to religious people. These are the Jews. These are people who know the scriptures. This is who the crowds are. He's not on a Gentile mission right now. These are people who know the word of God. So to apply it outside would be incorrect. He's talking about people who seem to be the followers of God. And there is a group of them who essentially are completely uninterested in the message who are not interested in the word of God in any sort of way. It comes, it bounces, it ricochets, and it never is able to go into mind or go into heart. And so this is part of our evaluation that we want to make this morning. Is I would like for you just to settle in and think about this path soil picture that he gives first of all. What is our interest level in the word of God? Do we give it the opportunity to seek it sink into our hearts? Are we interested in understanding what God has to say? Or are we just letting it glance away? Do we want to know what God says? Do we want to know what his teachings are? Are we interested in hearing from him through his word? Do we want to give him the time so that we can learn about who he is and what he's done? This is what that picture of the path is about, is that there are people who will look like they're hearing, look like they're receiving seeds, but really nothing is going on. It's just simply bouncing away. And so not interested in learning, not interested in understanding. This is what what these people are. Ask yourself, I think, important questions. Do we want to know what God has to say? When you come to a Monday, do you want to know what he has to say? Does it matter to you? Do you want to to learn and let it grow and seep into your heart and mind? Do you want those things to attach to your life? Or is today one of those days where in 14 minutes it'll be, all right, time to go. Let's, you know, and back to everything else and who really cares? That's the path soil that he's getting at. Seeds that are just bouncing away. And not allowed the time to sink into the heart. In verse 22, or verse 20, he speaks of another soil. He says in verse 20, for what is sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Let's just start with that for a minute. Everything sounds really good with this second picture. Here the the seed is cast and this one hears the word and says in verse 20, receives it with joy. Everything looks good. The, the word is allowed to sink into the heart. It sinks into the mind. There is a hearing, there is a reception, and there is a response. There is a response of joy. But you will notice in verse 21, it says, but there is no root in himself, for it endures for a little while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Interesting picture. Positive response, but there is a problem that is identified. And the problem that is identified is that it has no root. 
There's no depth. In fact, earlier when he told this parable, as Jeff read it for us in verse 5, it says there, there was not depth of soil, it says. There's nowhere for the roots to ultimately go. Therefore, he says in verse 21, it endures for a little while. Well, why doesn't it last? Well, he uses the picture in the, in the first part of the sun scorching and heating and, and, and trying that plant, which you'll notice he describes as two things here. In verse 21, he says, you've got the hardships of life and persecutions that come because of God's word. You're going to hear the word of God. You're going to receive it. You're going to be excited about it. You're going to receive it with joy. You're even going to put roots down. But there's a problem. The problem is there's not going to be a depth. There's not going to be a deep root so that when hardships come or suffering comes or challenges to your faith comes or persecution comes, he says the plant's not going to last. I hope that when we think about that, that's a little bit frightening. That's a frightening picture. Because everything on the surface looks good. But he says there's going to be a problem for some. When life gets difficult, they're going to leave their devotion to the Lord. And I want to do the same thing here. It is probably easy to run through your mind and go, yeah, I know an awful lot of people that when life got bad and things got hard and things went sideways, they left God. And I don't want you to think about those people. I want you to think about yourself for a minute. I want you to consider your own life because the reason why it happens and the reason why it can happen to us is because he describes it as there not being a root system. No plant is going to survive without a good root system. That's just the way it works. That's the imagery he's borrowing from. Plants survive down here in the blaze of sun because they have a good root system to be able to continue. And he speaks of a Christian and says, here is somebody who has received the word with joy. It all looks good on the surface, but there was not a good root system. And without that good root system, essentially what he's saying is everything about God stays shallow. It all stays surface level. And this is one of the reasons that I'm concerned about this picture is because there is an easy temptation to want to stay shallow in our knowledge of God. It's easy to say, well, we've, we've got the basics. You know, I'm a Christian. I believe. I've been baptized. We took the Lord's Supper. I'm here on Sunday. I know what sin is, so we're good. And I want you to hear the warning that God says is that shallow surface level knowledge, that shallow root system exposes us to the problem of not enduring when life gets hard. In fact, you might remember the writer of Hebrews said that in Hebrews chapter six and verse one, he said, therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to Maturity. Notice he says, 
I don't want you to just stay in the ABCs and the basics and rehearse them over and over and over again. So we've got grace and faith and repentance and baptism. We, we just keep rehearsing the basics. We've got it all down over. I want you to leave those things. I want you to move on past that. I need you to grow on, go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. Those are all important things to talk about, aren't they? Absolutely. Resurrection? Absolutely. Eternal judgment? Absolutely. Repentance? Faith? Absolutely. But notice he says, you can't just keep staying there. If you stay in just the basics, on just foundational principles... You're exposing yourself to not endure when things get hard. Because listen to how he continues that. For it's impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, who shared in the Holy Spirit, who tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away. Why is he warning them about moving beyond the elementary teachings? Why is he telling them you must go on to maturity? Because this is a threat. There is a concern that we can be comfortable with just staying in the basics. I know the bare minimum. I know what I need to know. I've got Acts down. I've got Matthew 28 down. I've got these basics down. And since I've got those things, you know, I grew up in the pews and they drilled me with the flashcards and I can quote them back to you. Yes, faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17, I got that when I was six years old in the Bible class as a kid. So I've got all of them down. I'm good, right? And there's a warning, he's saying. And that's not the picture that's given here. This is not a picture that Jesus is saying of some outsider. They've received the word with joy. And they plant roots. But the roots stay shallow. And friends, I just... I'm so concerned about this particular image because I believe it is far too easy and happens far too often that we allow our roots to stay shallow, that we allow our roots to stay in the basics, that we convince ourselves that we've got the knowledge we need to know. I, I, I've got those, those ABCs down. And so why do I need to worry about the, the harder things? Just, just let me stay in basic arithmetic. I don't want to deal with the calculus. I, I understand that. I understand that. I've been having to help my daughter do geometry. I was so happy to forget geometry in high school. I'm sad to remember all of that again. Just let me stay in the easy. I don't want to go to the hard. And we can do that with God. And I want us to hear what he's telling us here is that a, a soil that's not interested in moving beyond the basics is exactly what he's talking about here. That things are going to get hard. Notice it's not a, well, you know, it might, this, things are going to get hard. Your faith will be challenged. Satan will make sure of it. That you are put in the hardest of circumstances to have your faith challenged. And if the roots are not wide and the roots are not deep. They're going to fail. 
And it makes me sad how often I think churches encourage that superficial faith and knowledge. And it's why, yes, I take you to crazy books of the Bible and go teach Habakkuk and things like that. Why is he doing this hard stuff? Because I want you to taste these things. Because I don't want your faith to stay shallow. I want you to enjoy the depths that God is trying to give to you so that when it gets hard, your roots will be wide and your roots will be deep. And that's what Jesus is picturing here is don't let it stay surface level. Don't let your faith be at a base level. Let it grow and grow and grow. One of the things that we should certainly be able to see in our Christian walk with God is that you can look back and you all start, all of us start with these narrow, shallow roots. But can you see them growing wider and deeper each year? Is it getting deeper? Is it growing more toward God? Is it getting stronger? That's an important picture that Jesus is describing here. Otherwise, the heart is described as a rocky soil. Verse 22, third one. And as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This is a really interesting picture to think about as well. You know, if you've grown up in the pews, you've probably heard this parable a million times. And it's easy to kind of fly over it. And I hope that we'll slow down and think about what is being challenged to us right here. He says, here is this one that is so they hear the word of God and they're depicted as belonging and planted. But notice what is described as what the thorns are doing as it is choking out the word and keeping it from being fruitful. I want you to notice one of the pictures is there in verse 22. It says, The cares of the world. That's a phrase to just kind of easily blow by. And I hope you'll just kind of think about that one for a minute. What do the cares of the world look like? More concerned about here than there. The cares of life. The schedules of life, the hardships of life, the things that go on in the world, whether it be in our own lives or if we're looking at it more from a state, national, global level, the cares of the world. Everything that goes on can absolutely be in a distraction to our faith. To get so caught up in the physical, so concerned about this life and this world and all that is going on and lose care about the spiritual things of God. Similarly, he says they're not only the cares of the world, but the deceitfulness or the the seductiveness of riches, that pursuing of more. I would suppose this is quite a challenge because We are inundated with the cares of the world. The world tells us to care about the cares of the world. Pay attention to the cares of the world. And then the world tells you, and then pursue the world. Pursue more. You need to fulfill your desires. Get all you can out of this life. Make it your mission to get all you can of this world. 
And I want us to think about what he's telling us is that the power of the word to make us fruitful, the power of the word of God to transform us and to build faith and deep roots is nullified when we're so worried about these physical things. It's an interesting picture. I, 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 I laugh at myself in this because when it comes to information, I feel like I have a, a shallow cup and so you pour water and it's just spilling out, right? You just can only hold so much. I want you to notice God pictures the heart like that. He pictures a heart here where he says the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. There's not enough room in our hearts for all of these pursuits. Jesus tried to explain that to us. You, you can't have two masters. You, you, your heart doesn't have the space to pursue the things of God and also pursue the things of the world. Your heart cannot be properly attached to God and then also attached to the cares of the world and the pursuing of the world and the desiring of the things of this life. And so there is a tremendous challenge that is being made to us. And notice that nothing in verse 22 says that the plant dies or falls away. It just says in verse 22, it's unfruitful. And that makes sense. It's impossible to be fruitful because our attention is captured by other things. I'm not... One to plant anything. I'm useless at green things. But I hear that you're supposed to, when you plant things, space them out from other things and not set them on top of each other. Because if you get them too close to each other, there's not enough room. And it's a very simple picture that Jesus is doing here. You can't let all these other things crowd the heart, invade the time, and think that we're going to be able to be fruitful for God. Just ask yourself if this is true of us. Evaluate yourself. Again, honest check. But it is easy to be way too concerned and care way too much about this world and our stuff and our jobs and things and schedules and all that this world throws at us. It is so easy to become so consumed with Monday to Friday that we become unfruitful for God. And that's the warning that he's, he's giving here, is that the thorny soil is being too interested in this life. The word is being crowded out. And only we can decide if that's the case or not. But I want us to think about this fruitful picture here because that's ultimately where he goes. At the end of verse 22, he says, here are the, the cares of the world and the seductiveness of riches choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. This is a contrast to where he goes in verse 23. In verse 23, he, he gives it very simply, but it is really shocking he says, therefore, what's sown on the good soil? This is the one who hears the word and understands it. And he indeed bears fruit and yields 
In one case, a hundredfold, another 60, and another another 30. Notice how this is, stands in contrast to all of the others, is there is a hearing and an understanding. It's not dismissive. It's able to grow roots. It grows roots deep. It grows these roots wide. And in the ability of being able to do that, it's able to produce fruit. And that's an amazing crop right there. This plant can produce a hundredfold. That's astronomical. That's not how that usually works. There is a picture of amazing fruit can come from the right soil. So let me go backward with this for a minute. Because you'll notice he says what the good soil does in verse 23 is it bears fruit and yields, which tells us something. If we don't see fruit in our lives, it's impossible for us to be the good soil. You might remember Jesus said it this way in John 15, whoever abides in me or lives in me and I in them will bear much fruit. Not possibility, not could, not maybe, but if you are in him, you will bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, you must not be in him. Same thing is happening here as Jesus is telling this parable. Is good soil always produces fruit. So if we're looking and going, I don't have fruit, but I think I'm doing a good job. Jesus is saying, I want you to think about that for a minute. Because that can't happen. There's an interference. Something is going wrong. Because the seed will produce the fruit that God is ultimately looking for. It must happen. And that's what I think is so beautiful about these pictures. Is the transformation that God is trying to accomplish in our lives is absolutely unstoppable if we will get things out of the way. That's why the plant imagery is great. You have to actively work against the seed to keep that plant from growing, right? I mean, you, you do, it's just gonna happen. If you put a seed in right ground with right nutrients, it's unstoppable. Something has to interfere with it for it not to produce the fruit that should happen. And that's the picture of the Christian life. Something's interfering if we're not seeing fruit. So here is, my conclusion, and I want this again to be just a simple evaluation of your heart this morning. I'll ask it in, in three questions and then end with a scripture. One reason we can be fruitless is because we just don't have interest. That was the first soil that was depicted. Just don't care. Dismissive. Don't want to understand, no interest. You're here, it's flying over, not capturing anything, not sinking in, moving right along, checked out. And that would be a reason for fruitlessness. The reason we wouldn't have the life that God really wants each and every one of us to have is because we're letting the word of God just, word of God just swim by. Just letting it fly right by. 
Are we interested in learning and seeking and grasping what he has to understand? I hope that this word, if this is your case today, will hit you in such a way so that you won't shrug your shoulders and just carry on with life and it's going to be 12 o'clock and back to the way things are, that this will challenge you. Do you really think about this one? Am I letting the word of God have any impact in my life at all? Has it just bounced for these last 30 minutes? I'll be back next week and it's going to bounce again. Are you going to give yourself to something more that God wants you to have? Second soil is the second question. Are we fruitless just because we have no depth? We're fine with surface level. I'm interested in the things of God, but only this much. This is, this is my box of care. I don't want to know the hard stuff. Don't, don't put me into the deeper things. The, the, the ABCs and the one, two, threes are, are good enough. I've got my basics. Let me just play in my, my box of knowledge that I have right there and don't push me beyond that. That's that second soil. We're content with just what we know. We're content with what we've been taught. We've been content with what we grew up with. And we're just going to sit and stay right there. And that he gives a warning, not only in speaking about fruitlessness, but I want you to hear that warning one more time. Life will get hard and you don't have enough roots to make it. And Jesus is warning us of this because he doesn't want you to fall off too. He doesn't want the strength of the, of, of the difficulties of life to make it so hard on you that you don't have the roots you need to be able to withstand. Number three, are we fruitless because there's just not enough room in our hearts anymore? We just fill our day with so much. We jam it full of everything but spiritual things. The cares of the world, the pursuing of riches. I hope that you'll think about with this one that that Jesus doesn't say they fill their hearts with sin. No, they just fill their hearts with stuff. It's just crowded. It's just busy. You're not doing anything sinful, but it's just jammed up. And there's no room for the word of God to grow and to be fruitful. And I said I would end with this. I think it is interesting how the Apostle Paul described what is actively going on as God is working in the world to save people. He gives a picture by saying here is what Satan is ultimately doing. That he is blinding hearts and blinding minds to keep people from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And this is really the the grand problem to all of the soils that are being depicted as being insufficient. Is that God wants you to see who he is and to see how glorious he is. And Satan's going to try to stop that in three primary ways. That you're just simply disinterested and it bounces off. You're never going to see how glorious he is so that it can transform you into the image of God. Or it's going to simply be the cares of the world. You're not going to ever see the glory of God because your heart's too crowded. You don't have time. There's too much stuff, too busy, too much running. And you never have opportunity for that to happen where the word of God can really sink in and you can see who he is. Or 
It's just simply, I feel content with what I know. I've got my box. I don't need to see the glory of God. I've got Lord's Supper and faith and baptism and repentance, and that's enough for me. I don't need anything more. I've got, I'm good. And that keeps us from seeing the glory of Christ. There is no way for me to impart to you how much you can be radically changed and how much you can truly see a magnificent, amazing God until you get into the cleaner pages of your Bible and see some amazing things. And I think Satan is just trying to tempt us to just cover our ears and cover our eyes and cover our hearts, like Jesus said in verses 10 through 19 there, to keep us from seeing the riches of who he is. Which soil are you? And what will you do about that as you go forward? Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are glorious and amazing. And Lord, it is truly the work of Satan and of great temptation to keep us from seeing who you are, to truly taste how glorious you are, to enjoy all that you have to offer and expressing to us who you are through your word. Lord, it is my prayer today that everyone would hear the words of your parable and your explanation and that everyone would evaluate it. Lord, I pray that you would press upon every single heart today to honestly consider which soil we are. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be honest and help us to be reflective. Help us to deeply consider if we have things in our lives that are interfering from you changing us and growing us, making us what you want us to be. Lord, please forgive us for when we've been dismissive. Forgive us for when we have been content in our knowledge. And forgive us for when we have allowed our hearts to be occupied with too many things. And Lord, I pray that you would keep us so aware of when our hearts track back into those areas. Lord, make us good soil. Lord, make us able to hear your word so that we would bear fruit in a way that is giving you glory and honor and so that we would be who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We will sing an invitation song and invite you to think about your situation. We are here to help you in this. If you need help, if you have make this evaluation today or this week, or hey, we're going into a new year and everybody likes to be reflective and proactive when you come into a new year, thinking about what happened last year and what will you do different this coming year. Can we help you in that? Can we help move you from one of those soils? Can we be there for you in that? Dan and I would love to help you in that. There are other people here who would love to come around you in that. You can talk to Dan or I afterward. We'd love to assist you in that. Just let us know how we can help you while we sing this invitation song. Won't you stand while we sing?